Our sponsor today is Green Ronin Publishing. Green Ronin is a Seattle-based company dedicated to the art of great role-playing games. Since the year 2000, Green Ronin has established a reputation for quality and innovation that is second to none. If you're looking for exciting fantasy, look no further than Fantasy Age, where your heroic stunting can create the difference between a cinematic battle and a mundane encounter. Have a need to strap on a cape and fight the forces of evil? They do mutants and masterminds. Also available, the Expanse role-playing game based upon the hit book series. Green Ronin Publishing creates role-playing games, card games, and fiction for the very best in role-playing games and to forge your own path. Choose Green Ronin Publishing and become your own master. Find them at greenronin.com on all social media at Green Ronin Pub and wherever role-playing games are sold. And now, be sure to log in to GreenRoninStore.com. Using our affiliation code of GKHERO, you can save 5% off your total purchase of over 100 fantastic items, including role-playing games, card games, fiction, and much, much more. At GreenRoninStore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to start your journey today. Brought to you by the power of the internet and fueled by imagination, this is Game Night Heroes. We toss dice and tell stories. The deeds of heroes await, and legends dare to be heard. This is Game Night Heroes. Hello, and welcome back to the Game Night Heroes. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. We are, as usual, five great friends who are playing some Dungeons & Dragons action. We are continuing our adventures in the Freeport campaign setting from Green Ronin Publishing. And we are going to continue tonight with a story that will be determined by dice rolling. So before we dive into that properly, let's go ahead and reintroduce ourselves to you guys. So, Rob, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, I'm doing really good. Happy to be here. Excited to play again. Hope everybody's happy to be here to be listening. Oh, I hope so, too. Yeah. Who are you playing? Of course, I'm going to be playing Victor Reed. Absolutely. Yeah. Captain of the Anchors Reed. Ah, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> How are you tonight, Colleen? I am fantastic. I'm Colleen. I am playing Iridanza Orme, Lady of the Sea. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Aaron, what's new with you, big guy? Uh, nothing. At all. Okay. Oh, and I'm playing Arden. That's true. You are. Yes. Multiple things. <laughs> and of course, Brittany, how are you holding up? I'm doing great tonight. I'm Brittany and I'm playing Nisha. Fantastic. And I'm Kevin. I play as the dungeon master for the game. That means that I get to play as everyone and everything else. And that is all of us here for your listening pleasure. So without any further ado, let us dive back into Freeport, the city of adventure. 
previously on Game Night Heroes. Once again, finding themselves called upon to investigate the strange mystery that is the town of Freeport, our four heroes find themselves investigating a new lead. After discovering information that found a connection between Milos, the secretive leader of the Brotherhood of the Unspeakable One, and a lighthouse being constructed on a small island to the south of Freeport's harbor. Our heroes rush to discover the connection between him and the middleman between this interaction, Verlaine, a High Captain's Council member. Before our heroes are able to act upon the lead, however, they are apprehended by Riker Lloyd, Head Captain of Verlaine's personal guard. Our heroes are to be taken to the courts where their fate is to be decided. Our tale now resumes. After the harrowing experience, when you guys were captured by members of the Sea Lord's Guard under control of Reichert Lloyd, the tall and maroon-skinned tiefling leads the party members, some of them Victor and Nisha, in an unconscious state, dragged by city guardsmen. The others, Iridansa and Arden, you remain conscious and you are bound and gagged as you are taken through the city streets. As you move down the street away from the outside of the Marquis' moon, you observe that there are a couple of people who poke their heads out of windows, observing the commotion as you guys move down the street with the city guardsmen. You draw closer to a large building towards the center of the old city. You remember from your time in Freeport already that this is the courts. It is a very large plaza throughout the center of it. You see that on opposite ends of the square around is a wide, low-slung building that's made of deep gray stone. You can see there are large plinths and columns that hold up the roof in various areas, and you can see that the seal of the city is carved into the actual stonework above a pair of imposing steel doors in front of the largest of these buildings. This way, Lloyd says, without any sort of emphasis on emotion, as he leads you through the front door. You move into a small receiving area, and he marches you right past a guardsman who is in the building. He leads you into a large open area that appears to be filled with several benches. In the intervening time afterwards, there are several guardsmen who move forward towards you, and one of them holds on to you, Arden, as he gives you a pat down, and then he removes your scroll case and your little handbag that you have hanging at your side. They briskly make sure that you don't have any sort of hidden accoutrement. <laughs> that tickles. Iridanza, you notice that one of the men steps forward and he does the same kind of treatment to you. Gives you a pat down and checks you for any weaponry. They do take the weapons that you openly carry, including your trident and your mystical spear with the strange runes upon the head of it. And they take it over to a small table that's off to the side and place it upon it, making it clearly out of reach. You watch that in their unconscious forms, Victor and Nisha are placed upon some of the benches, and you can see that they are positioned in such a way that they are manacled to the bench so that they're not able to leave or escape if they suddenly gain consciousness. They similarly are stripped of their weaponry, and you see that one of the guardsmen actually removes a small case that Nisha carries on her side. You've seen her use this case several times to pick locks and to pick open chests and whatnot when you guys are exploring. So you know that they have found her locksmithing kit and have taken that away as well. 
They also find a dagger hidden in her boot, as well as another hidden in the small of her back in her belt. You see that a final guardsman goes to step forward to take Victor's sword off of his side, and with a very satisfied grin, Reichert Lloyd stands off to the side and watches this transpire. They take all of the weaponry and they put it on that same table, clearly in view of all of you, but out of reach. About half of the guardsmen leave, leaving Reichert Lloyd in the room with the four of you. He steps forward to you, Iridanza, and to Arden, and he just stands there about 10 feet away from you, giving you guys a stare down. He cuts a pretty intimidating posture, and he definitely seems like an individual who can handle himself. Iridanza and Arden, is there anything you guys would like to do right now at this moment? Hey, hey, buddy. When's the last time someone punched you in the face? Riker Lloyd turns to regard you, and he does not show any sort of smile or crack in his very serious facade. He does not seem to be too amused with your ramblings at this moment. I'm guessing it's been a little while. Then he looks to you, Iridanza, and he says, Do you perhaps have any papers or anything to declare? Declare what? I think he wants you to declare your innocence. Iridanza, you are a noble, and you are aware that when you travel around through the surface, that there are oftentimes you carry papers of intent and missives and different identification papers that would mark you as such. And you're familiar with the times where there would be times where you're actually requested to have these things given to a city guardsman or to an official to state your declarations as to why you're on the surface or why you might be traveling and whatever your business is. So he's basically asking you if you have any sort of paperwork like that. Would I have that? I would think so. You would not have anything super intensive, but I think you would definitely have something on you. Okay. I'm not sure if you carried it with you or not tonight. I'll kind of leave that up to you. Again, Record Lloyd looks to you, Arden, at your small halfling form, clearly a third of his height, and he gives you a look as someone would give an ant before they step on it. And he says, very well. I do hope you will enjoy your time waiting. You have drawn the attention of the city council itself. Sit there, please. And he motions to one of the benches. I stand on top of it. In defiance to the law. Arden, sit down. No. You cannot chain me with the shackles of oppression. I will stand where I please to stand. This is a free city made by free peoples, I think. I don't know, maybe snake peoples or something. You see nearby that two of the guardsmen step forward and they begin to draw clubs off of their belt as if to silence you. And Lloyd, without even moving, looks at them and they stop. He continues to let you ramble. It seems that he doesn't have any sort of worries about you. It just seems like you are just a fleck beneath him. He's not bothered at all by what's going on. And eventually you just get tired of rambling at the top of your lungs and nobody doing anything about it. The moment kind of wears off. Oh, I'm pooped. The two of you sit through the night waiting to determine what's going to happen to you. And you're surprised to see that Riker Lloyd, as well as all of his men that remained, or six of them besides him, they just stand there literally staring at you and waiting. They don't have any sort of words with you. They don't try to attack you. They don't try to do anything else to you. They don't move you out of this room. They just stand there watching you. You can see that they're pretty diligent. Iridanza, you have guardsmen at the royal palace at home. 
So you are aware that these men are clearly disciplined, and you are surprised to see that these men are much more disciplined than the other city guardsmen that you have encountered at Freeport thus far. It would seem that perhaps Record Lloyd runs a pretty tight crew. Not suspicious at all. After a considerable amount of time, Victor and Nisha, you both slowly begin to regain consciousness. Victor, your head is reeling, and there's clearly a pain in your stomach near one of your floating ribs, perhaps fractured from the impact when the man hits you in the stomach with the cudgel and the apprehension. You look over and you see Nisha slowly open your eyes, and Victor, you notice that when her eyes open, she quickly looks about the room, almost like a caged animal would, and she looks panicked for a brief moment. A bright pinkish-purple energy flashes across her eyes and trails out into the air, almost like smoke, but dissipates quickly as she seems to start to regain her composure. Nisha, you look over and you see Victor, and he's got a big gash over one of his eyes that there's dried blood now caked down the one side of his face. You don't remember them hitting him in the face, but he clearly is going to have a bruise and a black eye around that side. Do you remember the sound, the sickening pop of his head reverberating off of the cobblestones when he went down? Riker Lloyd notices the two of you awaken, and he steps forward to regard the two of you. I see that we have everyone present now. Do either of you have any sort of legal paperwork or anything to declare? No. I don't believe so. Damn, this hurts. He gives a very short nod as if he is not surprised at all that you guys answered that way. And he crosses over to the table where all of your guys' equipment is. Victor, you look up and you see that your sword is lying right on top of everyone else's things, almost as if it is on display. Lloyd stops and he looks at it and he turns very slowly towards you. It's a beautiful weapon. May I ask, are you as skilled in wielding it as you are in wearing it upon your person? Of course I am. Why else would I have it? His face unmoving just regards you for a moment. And he turns to one of the other guards and he nods. And the guardsman moves closer to the table and stands. What does everybody do at this point? How long was I out, guys? You were out for at least like five minutes. Very helpful, Arden. Iridanza, you have a little bit better grasp on time. You would guess it was at least two, maybe two and a half hours, roughly. You're not sure. There's not really a way to tell time in here as it's pretty much in the middle of the night at this point. But it was easily a couple of hours that they both were out. You've been out for a few hours. Are you guys okay? Fine. Minus the shackles. Yeah. Oh. Anybody got any plans? <laughs> Nisha will look over to Riker and ask, what have you arrested us for? He doesn't actually respond. He just looks at you with an indifferent look on his face. I will use my psychic whispers, mm-hmm. which allows us to communicate telepathically to each other. So we don't have to speak out loud with our plans. Okay. So I'll do Iridanza and Victor. Sorry, Arden. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) I completely understand. Okay. You look to Victor and Iridanza and you draw out that connection that you have between the three of you. 
If you could please roll your psychic energy die, which is a d6. Four. So it's four hours that it lasts for. Okay, perfect. Victor and Iridanza, you both simultaneously, although you're not fully aware that the other one feels it at this point. This is actually the first time that Nisha has done this to the two of you. You suddenly hear what sounds like a rustling sound, almost as if curtains being drawn or a sheet being pulled across the floor. And then there is a strange echoing effect. It almost sounds like you're hearing what's around you through your ears, as well as something else, not through your ears. It's really kind of disconcerting at first. But Nisha, what do you say when this happens? So I think we should try to coordinate a way to get out of here. But I don't know if we should really say that out loud because we don't know what languages these guys can speak and we don't want them to catch on to our plan here. Unfortunately, Arden isn't able to hear us. Guys, I think I have a concussion. I can hear Nisha in my head. You don't have a concussion. It's just something special that I can do. Well, that's really freaky. And I've seen some weird shit. If anything, it is probably best Harden doesn't hear this. He would be acting very strange now. He'd probably think I was a serpent person. Oh, most definitely. He'd probably give us away. <laughs> All right. So I, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one, honestly. Maybe Iridanza, you can use royal connections? No, I don't trust any of them. Who knows who's a serpent? And. They despise my people, they'll make it worse for me. I wonder if we might be able to use Theron to help us. Yeah, we might be able to drop Temple of Knowledge. Maybe he can come get us out. Of course, I'm not convinced it's really going to matter all that much to the tiefling. Yeah, but he's not the one that gets to decide what happens to us. It's going to be the judge, I assume, correct? If we ever see the judge. Nisha, before you met the rest of these party members, you were captured by the Sea Lord's guards in a personal account that you were trying to settle when you were trying to hunt down Gavin and avenge the murder of your father. And at that time, your treatment by the city guardsmen, although it was harsh, was not done in the same way as this. The time that they captured you before, they dragged you in and put you in a regular holding cell amongst some other prisoners. And they, for some reason, after holding you there overnight, they chose you to be sold into slavery amongst a pirate ship. Now, you did escape that fate, as you know, because here you are with these allies. But this seems to be something different. You can tell from the attitude that Reichert Lloyd is exuding, as well as the fact that you guys are just being kept here, that they're keeping you here for probably some other purpose. The fact that it's as late as night as this and these many guardsmen are actively watching over the four of you definitely sets off a sixth sense that you have about how these type of things work. And you definitely feel like there is something to come. All right. So I'll tell your Donza and Victor then that I don't think that we're going to see a judge anytime soon here, guys. I think they got something else going on, want something else from us. And as she says that, almost as if on cue, the double doors on the other side of the room that they originally led you all in suddenly open up. You see as two guardsmen take about four steps into the room and they stop and they look around. And when they notice the state of the room with the four of you sitting on benches, 
manacled to the posts that are attached to the floor so that you guys can't escape. The six guardsmen in here, as well as Riker Lloyd himself, nod, and they turn, and one of them says out of the doors towards an individual we can't see yet, It's clear, sir. And then you notice that a very short, almost comically so, man, who is just as round as he is tall, sweeps in through the double doors. He's wearing rich robes of office, which are embroidered with the city seal, as well as what you now know to be the familiar emblem of Verlaine, a golden yellow V with a circle around it. He also has a very large necklace that he has about him that has a very large gold city insignia upon it. And he wears a shoulder-length white powdered wig. As he struts into the room, he walks up to stand about five feet away from all of you, and he regards you with a look that can only be described as disgust. This man clearly thinks that the four of you are quite beneath him. He looks to Riker Lloyd, and Lloyd nods slowly, and the man nods back, and then he waves his hand, and Lloyd actually steps forward, and he moves over to stand next to him, and then Riker Lloyd leans forward, and he says something to the man's ear, And the man then gets a small grimace on his face. He looks to the four of you. I have seen your type here before. A bunch of hooligans stomping around in search of old junk and loose change. And he actually steps in between the four of you and your four different benches. And he looks to you, Victor. A pretty face man looking to draw attention to himself. He whips around, looks at you, Nisha. A sneaky individual who should be in jail permanently. He looks to you, Iridanza. Another pretty face, perhaps truly leading the leadership, who would know the correct way to behave, but chooses not to. And Arden, you actually open your mouth to say something, and he turns and regards you with that same look. And usually a little guy in the gang, too, just for amusement. Well, don't get me wrong. I don't object to your profession. The world needs miscreants like you, if only to keep the monsters at bay. But all of you people have gone too far. You have done good work here in Freeport, but that does not give you the right to ignore the law. I will remind you. That breaking and entering and flitting about where you do not belong is still a crime here. This isn't some dungeon. It's a city and a damned important one, too. Now, I don't know what it is specifically you were doing around here. Maybe looking for another fix. Or another person to perhaps beguile with your words. Maybe meeting some friends. I don't know. And it doesn't matter. I don't want any of you in my city for one more day. You'll all clear out of here. By dawn. There are plenty of boats that you can take. I own most of them. And he actually begins to turn and to leave the room. Unless you guys wish to do anything. Is there a boat you will give us or loan us? 
to get out of your city? He stops, and he turns his corpulent form. You can see that his jowls shake, and he regards you for a moment. What sort of man do you take me for? As if I'm to give anything of mine away to someone such as you. You said you want us gone. You said you own most of the ships. Fastest way to get rid of us is to put us on a ship. He purses his lips. This conversation has already grown banal. Get them out of here, Lloyd. And he begins to leave again. Shouldn't you be thanking us for helping with your serpent problem instead of casting us out? He looks at you, and then he turns to the other guardsmen in the room, and then he looks to Lloyd, and without speaking, something passes between the two of them, and Lloyd actually looks to his men, and with me, the men go to the door, Lloyd crosses over to the door as well. And all of the city guardsmen cross out of the room, and Lloyd closes the doors and stands next to it, leaving the councilman, Verlaine, and Lloyd alone in the room with the four of you. And Verlaine says, What is it that you believe that you know about serpent people? I didn't say serpent people, I just said a serpent problem. What do you know about the serpent people? He looks over to Lloyd for a moment. You can tell that there's definitely something that they are not telling you guys. He looks back to you and he says, I am aware of your transgressions within the temple that we found beneath the city. I am also aware that you were there and you had a bit of a scuffle with some strange serpent creatures. I also know that you are here and they are not. Let me assure you, monster cleanup in the city of Freeport is appreciated. But it does not buy you any sort of friendship with me. Oh, I don't want to be your friend. Don't worry about that. Under normal circumstances, you would perhaps have been paid handsomely for what you performed in that foul place. But... Since you have brought it upon yourselves to murder several members of my city, you should be hanged in the morning. The fact that I am letting you leave, I believe, balances the scales. I believe you should take what I'm offering you and leave it at that. I say that's a great idea. Come on, guys, let's... Get out of here and, uh, you know, leave this city, like he said. Well, first they'd have to unshackle us. Yeah, let's do that first. I hold out my arms to motion for them to unshackle me. Okay. Please. Record Lloyd walks past Verlaine, and he looks to him, and something passes between the two of them. If everybody could, give me an insight check, please. I got a natural 20 for 22. Ooh, nice. 14. 14's great, too. I got a 16. Excellent. I got a 9. Okay. Arden, you are thinking about leaving, and quite frankly, you're pretty much over this town. You have been for a little bit of time, to be honest. So your thoughts are already on the fact that you're gone. Victor and Iridanza, you both see that the look that passes between these two men 
is definitely one that doesn't seem to be a common look that passes between the two of them. But Nisha, from your vantage point and the fact that you're very good at reading people, you can definitely tell that Lloyd looks to Verlaine with a look that very clearly is questioning. Like he's not sure that this is the best course of action, but he just continues over to Iridanza and he removes a key ring from his belt and he begins to unlock her manacles. Verlaine, seemingly done with speaking with the four of you, turns on his heels and begins to waddle out of the room. He makes it over to the doors, and right as he's about to reach them, they open, and the guardsmen step in to surround him and escort him out of the room. The same six guardsmen who were just recently dismissed step back into the room, and they surround you four, and they start unmanacling you as well from the benches. They do remanacle you so that you can be removed from the area, and they start to lead you out of the room. What about all our stuff? One of the guardsmen, the one who was watching your equipment, is over by that table once more. And Riker Lloyd turns to him and he gives him a very short nod. And the man starts scooping up your things and begins to carry them out of the room. And Lloyd says, once you are free of the city, you can have your equipment back. Then let's get the show on the road. And he leads you guys out of the courts. So as we follow Riker, I want to ask him, so what do you get out working for a crooked councilman? He doesn't look to you. He just keeps walking, looking straight forward. Probably decent pay. <laughs> That's probably all it is. There are good things that need to be maintained here within the city of Freeport. Like letting corporate people run around? Good things to maintain, like his pockets. It's unfortunate your councilman's in cahoots with the serpents. I actually pity you, Reichert. Sad life to live following a crooked councilman. Unless, of course, you're a serpent person. He stops walking, and the guardsmen around you stop. He turns to the four of you, and he says, There are a great many things that need to be upheld here within the city of Freeport. Councilor Verlaine is making sure that the ways of the history of the town are ushering in a new age. The Sea Lord and Councilor Verlaine are working in unison to ensure that the city is protected for the coming years. I wouldn't expect people such as yourselves to understand what it means to have a higher purpose. And that is why I will not be sad when you are gone from this city and done befouling it with your words. Protected from whom? He just turns and begins to walk again. You'll miss us when you find more serpents. And when the unspeakable one comes forth and destroys the city. And we're long gone, safe and sound. Riker Lloyd doesn't seem to rise to the ribbing that all of you are giving him. He definitely appears to be a very disciplined individual. Nisha, you've seen his type before. He's almost zealot-like in his dogmatic approach to following Verlaine and Verlaine's rhetoric about how he's going to do good for the city. You specifically think that there's not really anything too much you could say to this man, especially right now, that would really sway him over to your guys' line of thinking. And so the rest of your trip goes in relative silence. 
as you guys make your way, Lloyd and his men begin to lead you guys in a southerly manner out of the old city. You cross through those large wooden gates that seal off the old city from the rest of Freeport. You do notice that at this time, the city gates are still open, even though it's probably close to 2 o'clock in the morning. It would seem that the gates of the old city are more decorative than functional. You do, however, see that there are guardsmen that patrol the upper parapet and walk across the different five towers that overlook the city. Lloyd continues to walk in silence, as do all of his men. And they lead you into the docks once more. It would seem that your journey to Freeport began here at the docks, and so too is it going to end here in the docks. Up ahead, you guys can all see that there is a ship that is moored on one of the lanes. It is near the warehouse district, a few lanes down from the Bloody Vengeance. You guys notice as you walk that Riker Lloyd and his men give a wide berth to the orc pirate ship. Nisha and Iridanza both notice that the orc pirate up in the crow's nest with the crossbow is keeping a vigilant eye as the group walks by. You don't see any other movement on the deck, which is lucky because you're not really looking for a fight tonight, Victor. Well, maybe not with the bloody vengeance. They lead you down to the edge of the warehouse district where it meets the docks, and you see that near the Arkham shipping lanes that you guys had traveled by before, a building that you came to discover was owned and run by Verlaine himself. There is a small little private harbor. You see a large, very beautifully crafted ship, very clean, very polished, almost looks brand new. Sails are unfurled and ready for sailing. You can see that there are men getting it ready to sail out in the morning. And Victor, your eyebrows go up and you get a slight smile on your face. What a beautiful ship. Lloyd nudges you along as you seem to have stopped in your movement to inspect the large vessel. And as you continue to press past, you notice that he's not leading you to this vessel, but rather the averagely sized, rather dirty, and somewhat unkempt ship next to it. It would appear that your journey out of Freeport is going to be a little less grandiose than you would prefer. As the ship that you will be taking comes into view, you see that there is a small crew on board, as well as a city guardsman ahead, who seems to be exchanging words with one of the members of the crew. You see that another member of the crew behind the man speaking to the guardsman grabs a hold of an individual that has his hands tied and leads him up the gangway onto the ship. Nisha, you get a chill down your spine. You suspect what just happened. Riker Lloyd moves up to the man who seems to be in charge. We've got four more for you to take off this evening. Well, I can do that, the man says, looking at the four of you. Oh, are these four actually seaworthy? They seem a little small, he says, looking at Arden. They're seaworthy enough. That's what you need to know. Verlaine wants them taken off the city. Hmm, Verlaine, eh? Well, I can take them as far as the continent. I believe that's prudent, Lloyd says, and unceremoniously he turns. Victor, he does meet eyes with you one last time, and in that gaze, it says all the words that he doesn't bother to say out loud. If this man sees you again, he plans on cutting you down. His eyes dart to your sword one last time, and then he turns, and with his men, he steps back out of the way. 
the guardsman who led the one man who was tied up onto the ship comes back down to the four of you. And the man who you guys were standing there with says, well, I'd like names of all of you, if that's okay. I'd like to know who I'm traveling with. How about you, little master? He says to you, Arden. Um, my, my name's Jeff. And, uh, can I not go on that boat? Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. Anyone who comes out this way is sailed off to sea. That's the way of it. How about you, lady? He says to Nisha. Do names really matter when it's such a short trip? Go ahead and make a persuasion check. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Nat one and then a negative one, so it's a zero. <laughs> Ooh. I am not persuasive at all. <laughs> Ooh, that's brutal. I've never seen a zero before. <laughs> well, hey, welcome. Here we are. <laughs> he just gives you a look, and the look says, come on, lady, I wasn't born yesterday. You can call me Night Wolf. Night Wolf. Interesting. And he writes it down. And you, sir. Ooh, that's quite a face you got there, he says, Victor. Name's Victor. Okay. And how about you? My name is Lena. Lena. All right. Well, you're a part of my crew now, at least till we get to the continent. Then you can make your own way there. Come on now. And he takes a small riding crop out from underneath his arm, and he slaps you guys in the butt a little bit to get you guys moving. And you notice that it's not painful. It's just more for show. He's an older guy, and he doesn't seem to be really all that intimidating, to be quite honest. He's a little long in the tooth, and he probably is far past his days of actually being intimidating and beating on people for real. You guys make your way up onto the gangplank, and when you get up to the top, you see that there is a city guardsman up there as well. He is counting heads and looking over everything. And he sees the four of you, and he actually steps forward and begins to unlock your manacles. After he's done, he steps towards the end of the ship. He turns back to the man who's in charge, nods at him, and he begins to walk down the gangway. The man who was carrying all of your equipment steps up to the top of the gangway, and he drops all of your equipment at a pile at your feet, rather unceremoniously and turns and makes his way back down to the dock. Thanks so much. He returns back to where Reichert Lloyd and the others are standing. And then, Victor, you hear the telltale sign of the older man calling out for people to get ready to sail off and to make the ship ready. And the ship begins to move, not in the flurry of activity as you're used to being on a ship, but rather in a lazy, kind of unexciting way. It would seem that these are all old Codger men who are very much past their prime. They go through the motions of getting the ship ready to sail with as little gusto as one would, basically just going about their day. The ship begins to make sail, and you notice that as it begins to pull away from the dock of Freeport, sailing you off into the dark of night, you watch as Riker Lloyd watches you leave, and as you begin to sail off, his men to here, another one there, begin to turn and stroll off into the night, making their way back towards the old city. He actually leaves last, watching the four of you sail off. And when you believe that you are far enough out of sight, the very last thing that you notice of Freeport 
is that man turn, his pupilless eyes scanning all of you one last time as he turns and slinks off into the night. So, what is it you guys do? So, on the ship, is it all just crew members, or there's, like, what what kind of people are on the ship when I'm looking around? Absolutely. Victor, you take a look around the ship, and you size it up to see what's going on with it. And it is older, but it does appear to be seaworthy. It's a relatively small schooner. You would guess that it probably would take a crew of about eight to properly sail it. And there seems to be of these older men. There's the man who led you guys all on here with the riding crop. He turns and begins to call out orders to all of them, as I mentioned. And they are moving about. You do notice that there is also another man on the ship with you. He is a mediumly built man, dark complexion. He has a closely cropped goatee on his face, and one of his eyes is cataracted. He's quite inebriated and drunk. And he looks to regard all of you. He appears to be a prisoner of some sort that was led onto the ship as well, like you guys were. I'm going to go up to the guy with the riding crop. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, sir. We gave you our names, but we never got yours. No, I don't think that you did. I'm Biscuit. That's not my real name, of course, but that's what you can call me. You're on my ship now. Are you a sailor? Yeah, I might be. This might go a lot more convenient for you, then. See if you can help the man with those lines over there. And he motions to some older men who are having a hard time getting some lines tied up properly. Um, I think they're pretty good over there. I think you and I need to have a discussion about where this ship is headed. And I flash my sword. And this can go the easy way, or this can go the hard way. I'll let you decide. He leans forward real close to you, and you can see that he's got a very serious look in his eye. Are you threatening me? No threat. This can go really smooth. I can just give you some gold. You can take me to where me and my friends would like to go, and no one has to know anything. Perhaps get some repairs for your ship. I see it looks like it could use a little bit of work. His eyes narrow for a moment. Victor, if you could, please make a persuasion check. Thirteen. Thirteen. Biscuit looks at you for a moment, and you're very surprised to see that there is something that passes through his vision for a moment. Then he gets a smile. Well, I gotta say, I've been doing this for a while, and I haven't really heard anybody try to offer me something like that before. Where is it that you think you want to do, young man? How much money you got in that pouch of yours? How much I have in the pouch isn't really much of your concern, except that I'll offer you this. I'll offer you 500 gold pieces to take me and my friends to the lighthouse. Done. He puts his hand out for you. I shake his hand, and then I pull out a pouch with 500 gold pieces and hand it to him. Okay. Well, I actually take that back. I'll give you 250 now and 250 when we reach the lighthouse. Well... You kind of already said 500 now, didn't you? Oh, are we going to get over on logistics? Come on. Yep. Damn it. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I shake his hand and I hand him the 500 gold. And I tell him, now, if I notice this ship going anywhere off course of the lighthouse, 
You'll have to answer me and my friends, and it will get quite messy. Not to worry, young man, he says. I know exactly where it is I need to go. He turns. All hands, get ready to sail towards Twick. We got a new man in charge, it seems, he says with a wink to you. And he strolls over to where the wheel is of the ship, and he starts redirecting course to make your way in a southerly fashion to the island of Tewick, a island to the south of Freeport, approximately two miles away from shore. As you guys turn and begin to move off into the night, you can see that the island is dark. You can't actually see it on the horizon, save for a lone set of lights, torchlight perhaps firelight that dances nearby a lighthouse about three quarters of the way built. The orc pirate took a long, deep swallow of the ale from the stein he held in his hand. He slammed the empty container down upon the table with a grimace. It was too long that he had spent in this city, and the type of work that he was currently involved in was not one that he typically liked to entertain. But times were tough, and he had a bigger goal in mind anyway. Across the room, his large and massively built first mate closed the lid of the chest, returning its contents to their locked position. Within a short amount of time, the burlap sack placed upon the top was thrown over it, hiding it from view of the nosy members of the crew. The orc captain had known that it was only a matter of time until this conversation was about to transpire, but he had not expected it from her. This is a waste of time. We should be out there raiding and hunting, captain, not waiting for this fool that you made this deal with. How long has it been? Nearly two months? If he hasn't come for what's in the chest yet, he's not coming. It's only a matter of fact. The captain rose to meet her anger. I am the captain. Remember that you owe me for what I saved you from. Don't you ever forget that you walk upon this earth because I allowed it. Her hand instinctively, unconsciously, went to her face, and a wince crossed her features. Agra would never forget the price that she had paid the day that Scarbelly had saved her from that beast on a distant island, on the day that her face was nearly severed, when she lost one of her tusks, when she was cast out from her tribe for the failure that she had transpired. She knew that it was a hard price to swallow, especially for a full-blooded orc, and she knew that defeat was not a flavor she would taste ever again. She lowered her head in submission. Scarbelly knew that he had won the match this time, but he did agree with her, nonetheless. The amount of time that they spent in this drastic city waiting for a man to fulfill his end of a goal was pathetic, to say the very least. Scarbelly was not one who normally dealt with the weak-blooded lesser races, and despite his half-pedigree, a secret that he kept from his full-blooded orc crew, The captain had no love for humans and for their dealings. But Agro simply did not know the full breadth of the mission at hand. 
The point wasn't to deliver the thing within the chest. That was the exact opposite of the goal, in fact. The man who had paid him was very specific that what was kept within the chest was to be kept there and out of Freeport until his lighthouse was complete. Scarbelli didn't exactly care what the lighthouse was for or why the man was wasting so much time, effort, and money to build such a terrible-looking thing. But for the amount of gold that he was promised, and for the glory that he would have when he began his own raid upon the continent, the battle thereafter would be bloody indeed, and it would outshine that of the human lords Francisco and Drac. A wry grin crossed Scarbelly's face as he thought of the carnage that would ensue. The door of the cabin burst open, a crewman entering within, sweaty and panting. The captain turned to look at him, angered that he was interrupted with his time plotting and planning with Agro. What is it? the captain asked, and the crewman, still panting, fought to catch his breath. Captain, there's something you ought to know. Vrock saw something from the crow's nest. It better be good, Scarbelly bellowed, turning to face the man with anger. It is, Captain. He saw something. And with that, the crewman's face turned into its own rictus grin. It's them, he said with a smile. Agro pounced up off of the chest that she had been sitting upon. She grabbed her great axe from leaning across the wall and she crossed to the door. She was ready, but Scarbelly knew that something like this was to be handled delicately. He turned, placed a hand within the air, and the orc warrior stopped in her tracks. Good. Thank you, Scarbelly said. Be sure to ready the ship. It looks as though we have a bit of a goal in mind for tonight. Tell the boys of the crew that tonight... We're going to have ourselves a little fun. <laughs> the crewman at the door smiled again and turned and went outside, calling for the other orcs upon the crew of Scarbelly's bloody vengeance to be ready for the battle to come. Scarbelly thought of the four fools that were going to learn the full extent of his anger, of his retribution. They had snuck upon his ship, no doubt to deal with what was within the chest but they had been narrowly driven off by his crew, and Agra was itching to finish the goal. That half-elf had rendered her a little bit of an embarrassment, and she would not rest until he was dead at her hands. Scarbelly turned to his first mate, and he smiled once again. It looks like your axe is about to taste some blood this night after all. The smile that crossed his face was terrible, and the smile that crossed hers was worse still. The two nodded to one another and turned to cross out of the door, ready to prepare the ship to make sail for the small island to the south of Freeport's harbor. He knew that it was a haunted place, and one that he dared not travel before. But the price of killing those who had embarrassed him and his crew was just too good to pass up. He readied himself, both his metal in his heart and the metal of his blade, to sail to Tewick and face those creatures once again.
Thank you for listening to the Game Night Heroes. The tale continues another time. This was Freeport, Episode 13, Crime and Punishment. Please subscribe and give us a review. It helps new listeners find us and take the journey along with you and with us. We can be found on all social media at Game Night Heroes. Please be sure to follow us for updates and for new information. We can also be found at GameNightHeroes.com. The Game Night Heroes is hosted and game mastered by Kevin Stacy. Victor Reed is played by Rob Alexander. Iradonzo Orame is played by Colleen Alexander. Arden Langalar is played by Aaron Regner. Nisha Lycoania is played by Brittany Stone. The Freeport Trilogy was created and published by Chris Premus and Green Ronin Publishing. Logo design and podcast cover art for the Game Night Heroes was created by Josh K. Music is from various artists and appears from Pixabay. Please feel free to message us at Game Night Heroes Contact at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you. This has been a presentation of the Game Night Heroes. Until next time, keep dreaming your impossible dream. the theme song and the recap here <laughs> yeah Woo. i'm gonna say she did i'm just trying to come up with something witty to say okay i can't come up with anything that doesn't sound terribly awful or dirty <laughs> i should say like Everything that's coming to my mind, like, in my mind, I'm like, it sounds great. But then I'm like, oh, that would come across sounding dirty. Don't say it that way. (laughs) Oh, Riker Lloyd, is there anything I could do to get out of these cuffs? Not what I was thinking. Not what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, this game takes a very different turn. Um, Rob's like, you know what? I'm sorry I introduced you to this, Colleen. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, all right. I'll be taking it the the other way. Oh God, that sounded so wrong. <laughs> Let's redo this again. Uh, you don't want to take okay. it the hard way, Rob? No, do not want to take it the hard way. Nice. <laughs> We're gonna make this sound better in the recording yet in the in the finish, right? <laughs> I hope so. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. Have fun, Kevin. Uh, flub, flub. Hey, did you like what you just heard? Well, if so, you can also journey into the realm of Freeport by visiting greenroninstore.com. There you can find all of your Freeport needs and all of the different adventures, supplements, and rule sets that you'll need to vanquish the forces of the Far Realm in a pirate town once gone legit. Form your own adventures at greenroninstore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to save on your purchase. Thanks for listening.